welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, everyone. Today is Sunday, July 3rd. We're in the middle of our parables summer teaching series, uh, walking through the parables of Jesus. Today, we were looking at the parable of the wheat and weeds in Matthew chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 24. Jesus then offers an explanation for it later at, in verse 36 and following. And so uh, we walked through that that parable this morning, and, and what we came to see is that Jesus was uh, convinced of the nature of eternity and that you and I are eternal beings. And so love some of the questions that came in this morning. Love that we get to have a dialogue around God's word as we interact with it on Sunday mornings uh, from the front, uh, but then as we can take this and, and answer your questions. And so today I'm joined by Pastor Chris Akers. Welcome, Dr. Dr. Reverend Esquire Mm. Um, uh, Vicar, I don't know. What other titles do you have? Uh, too many to list right now, but you, that's a good start. But yeah. Benevolent yeah. worship uh, leader. Oh, man. Just gets better and better. One yeah. who sings the melody of my heart. I don't know. Is that too much, too far? <laughs> Chris <laughs> it's is a wonderful insight into our relationship. <laughs> I, I love this. <laughs> well, Chris, welcome, man. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. For those that we know you as the guy who stands up front and leads mm-hmm. us in in sung worship, you know, on Sundays in Catalyst. Yeah. Um, so, but but what do you what do you do uh, here? What's your what's your life look like? It, my life looks like I have an incredible wife and two kids and a third one on the way at the end of September here. So that's yeah, that's what life looks like right now, man. We are we are walking in the midst of just a wonderful season. Mm-hmm. Um, what my calling here at the church yeah. looks like is that on Sunday I do everything I can to point to the reality that the living God is in our midst and to help people encounter his presence as they gather yeah. and just to enjoy everything that God designed the church to be as it gathers yeah, so that they can be filled up to worship him with their life as they scatter. Yeah. Right. So that we, as we are sent out mm-hmm. from this place, as we mm-hmm. are scattered into the, as we are going places yes. of the rest of our week, mm-hmm. that we can be filled up, encouraged with God's presence so that we can be faithful to Amen. him as we are scattered. Yeah. Amen. Love yeah. that. Love yeah. that. Well, Chris, thanks for your investment into this place, into this corner of the kingdom mm. and into your, into your family and just, it, just loving Jesus as you go, you yeah. know? And so, and thanks for here as we dialogue around God's word, man. And, uh, we so will he, see if you thank me. Oh, by the it's going to be great, but I'm it's, excited to dialogue. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Pastor Joseph told, uh, Chris to make sure that he corrects, you know, my, my bad theology. So mm. we're going to, we're going to duke it out. The here. heresy button ready. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the heresy button. We should have a sound effect. We for do heresy. need more sound effects on this podcast. We do. That's the- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's modalism, Patrick. <laughs> if you've never seen, okay, Chris and I are oh. already down a rabbit trail. There are these great little YouTube videos, um, and one of them is it's this whole like Irish thing going on. But St. Patrick, who was the by church history, the missionary to Ireland, the patron saint of Ireland, right? Yep. Um, he famously tried to explain the Trinity through a shamrock, mm-hmm. uh, the three leaf clover, mm-hmm. and uh, and which is actually it's a it's a good intention. It's a good start. Not trying to not <laughs> trying to back the bus up over uh, uh, <laughs> Saint Patrick here, um, but there's a there's an ancient heresy that creeped up in the early church that actually was 
um, put to bed or, or put down uh, Council of Nicaea, Council of Carthage, Council of Orange, some of these early church councils. They really, they really nailed this one. And it's this idea that God exists in independent modes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the Trinity, it would say that the Trinity is, are, it's three distinct modes for God. So in the Old Testament, it was the Father uh, or, or Yahweh, Elohim. Uh, in the New Testament, God existed then in a new mode as Jesus. And then now in the church age, God exists in the third mode, which is the Holy Spirit, which does not jive biblically because mm-hmm. we we know mm-hmm. and we see biblically uh, Genesis, John chapter one, uh, all throughout that that God exists in three independent persons, mm-hmm. but are one, mm-hmm. right? And so it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So And have always been that way. And have always yep. been that yep. way. And we see it in Genesis uh, uh-huh. early on, especially. Um, we're, we're not diving deep into that uh, here, but... Uh, but but I, I, even yeah. even the passage that we're hitting today, yeah. uh, Jesus certainly nods to it in calling himself mm-hmm. the Son of Man and making yeah. it very clear. He Pull the veil back. I'm God. I'm God. Yeah. I'm God. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm God yeah. incarnate. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm very God of very God. John chapter one, mm. uh, in the beginning was the word. Um, John dials into this Greek idea, this Greek philosophical idea of the incarnate divinity logos, which literally is the Greek word for word. Mm-hmm. And, and so John's dialing into this, that the incarnate divinity is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was God, was with God. All things were made with him. Nothing that was made was made without him. Mm-hmm. So John states a positive, negative. It literally is when he says in the beginning was he was God was the word the word was God the word was with God it's this Greek phrase that means that their hearts were literally turned towards one another mm-hmm. so they are one in person and in purpose <sighs> right and so yeah so uh, so it's my favorite thing to say to Chris is that's modalism Patrick <laughs> these two characters it's, it's two, these two it's just it's a really funny video oh. that actually addresses a, an ancient heresy uh-huh. uh, or wrong belief about Jesus mm-hmm. um, that was it was detrimental to the church and can creep into our lives here Absolutely. today so we want to yep. resist those things yep. but yep. all right now that we have addressed modalism uh, <laughs> what's left to address we are now uh, going yeah. to address Eusebianism. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not even going to go into that. Um, you said, poor Eusebius. He's not, it's not fair. He tried really hard. He's not here to defend himself. And he's himself. not here to defend himself. So let's go into this question. So this morning, we're, we're parable of the wheat and weeds. We were, we were dialing in on the, it's a hard parable. It's a confusing mm. one. And, and it, much has been made about it over mm. the centuries. And much of it has been wrong because we read mm. too much into the symbolism or too much into it. So Jesus gives us an explanation. Mm-hmm. Let's just stick with what Jesus says, you know? I like that. Yeah. And uh, thank you <laughs> for your encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what Jesus is focused on here is the reality of the nature of eternity and that you and I are eternal beings. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. love this question that comes in. It, they asked, uh, what will the new world look like? So Revelation 20, 21, 22, we get um, this idea that, or we get the picture. Mm-hmm. Not just an idea. Uh, it, it, it is a promise that God will make a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, Chris, when you think about the new earth, this age to come, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think of the, the new earth will look like? What do I think it will look like? Well, we should turn to the scripture and see what it describes there. Um, I think the most wonderful pieces you see in Revelation are are the reality Mm -hmm. that there's no need for sun anymore because Jesus Christ himself is on the throne and at the center of it all. And so there's just this perfection. You know what? What I love about that, we we have the original Garden of Eden in Mm -hmm. Genesis, and it's 
perfect. Perfect. It's wonderful. What do you see? You see at in the cool of the day, at the end, God would come and walk with them. Yeah. That's yeah. That's honestly kind of a diminished picture from what we see in Revelation, where it's like yeah. there's not even a oh at this point. Yeah. It's just Jesus is there. Yeah. So I mean that's the thing I get most excited about, and also new heaven, new earth. Yeah. Um, you look around nowadays, and I've I've talked with lots of friends about this. Like, yeah. I, there's a lot about this earth that I do like. Like it's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. wow, really, Mount Rainier's gonna go away? Well, I don't know, but yeah. But what I do know is that it's just gonna take everything that we love. Yes. And it's gonna be infinitely. Yeah. enhanced it's going to yeah. be the completion the perfection of yeah you talked a lot this this morning about that longing for mm-hmm. eternity because we are yeah eternal beings and i i think that and this is so important because our culture gets a bad picture of yeah. what heaven it is the bad caricature of just singing and playing a harp on the clouds no it's going to be are we going to be baby angels oh man i with, mean with bare butt cheeks the babiest of angels <laughs> Little, it little. will be precious <laughs> moments all day long. Oh, but, oh man. Just, just, uh, yeah. uh, it's going to be the fulfillment mm-hmm. of all that aching that we feel. It's, yeah. it's going to feel like home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And I think, I think even, I mean, you, you and I are here joking about, I mean, so for me, the precious moments were these things that were very sort of Christian tchotchke mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pop art of my growing up years, eighties and nineties. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I think what, what I love about them is that what they, they're not my style. I'll just write, confess here. They're not my style. Really? I, I don't have a, I don't have a curio cabinet full of them, but what I love Come about on. them is, is what <laughs> <laughs> Paul tells us to, to, uh, to consider, to, to hang on, to chew on what is noble, what is pure, what is lovely, what is good. And what they're getting after, the intention there is that of what the scriptures speak about, what you just, what you just spoke about, this, this age to come is going to be far greater and more mm. brilliant than we could ever imagine now. Mm-hmm. But when I think of this question, I go back to uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, mm. um, the last battle. Uh, and I'm going to butcher the quote because I'm doing it off the cuff here. But uh, the unicorn in the last battle mm. uh, comes to talk about the new Narnia. Yeah. And he says, uh, what we loved about the old Narnia is even more completely true in the new Narnia. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think just as you said, uh, I, I don't think the new earth in the age to come is going to be something that is so foreign and distinctly different than us that we're going to go, I didn't. This is altogether unknown to me. I think what we're going to experience and what Revelation paints for us hmm. is that the new earth will be like the old earth, but with no brokenness. Yes. And so everything that we delight in, in, on, the, in the, on the current earth, we will delight in it, but we will delight in it to its fullness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I actually, I actually heard, I heard an, an, a lecture one time talking about technology. Mm. And the, the, the guy that was speaking actually made the case that our created things will be on the new earth. Mm. And I was like, mm. that's a really interesting idea interesting. because God work was part of the garden mm-hmm. and creativity was Absolutely. part of the garden before the fall. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it means like we're going to have iPhones on the new earth and those kind of things, mm. but I think we will be creating on mm-hmm. the new earth. And mm-hmm. even so, even distinctly, um, even, even technology as we might think about it, and the way he defined technology was anything that was 
uh, created to minimize the effects of the sin of sin mm-hmm. and of the fall. Um, and so you go, oh, okay, that's well. What do our uh, we have miscommunications. What do our phones do? Well, they mm-hmm. help us to be communi- mm-hmm. to be connected and to communicate, right? So, but work and creativity existed before the fall. Mm-hmm. They exist perfectly in God. Mm-hmm. We're created in His image. The age to come, we will be full. We'll, we will be fully represented in that, mm-hmm. right? What's, what Paul says in First Thessalonians four, First Corinthians fifteen, mm-hmm. all those things. So, um, I don't know if we're going to have iPhones on the on the new earth, but I love how Lewis puts it in the last battle. Yeah. Uh, what we delighted in the old Narnia is what we will we will delight even mm-hmm. f- completely in the new Narnia. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that gets me excited. Absolutely. Just to, just the hope that we have that everything about what's to come, you're going to be really happy yeah. with. You're going to feel completely fulfilled. I, he, I haven't read the whole work, but I know that his thesis around Surprised by Joy was basically mm-hmm. like little moments throughout his life yeah. that would surprise him with that longing for what's to come. And I know we've got so many other questions to get to, but for me, the strongest life metaphor I ever experienced was the birth of my child. Yeah. Yeah. I had for nine months, and it's different for my wife because she literally carried Naomi within. But <laughs> Ask Lauren how she feels. Yeah. <laughs> but I know for me what it was like is that I would occasionally get just a, a, little, a little kick, a, yeah. little, a little hint that there was mm. something coming, that yeah. it was real. Yeah. I had the proof there, but when I saw Naomi and held her, yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. it was it was infinitely better. It wasn't a disappointment. Yeah. It was fulfillment. Yeah. And so for me, that's I think I think that's at least a small picture of what it will be like when we get to the other side and the veils torn. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I love it. <clears throat> Excuse me. What Paul says in First Corinthians thirteen: mm-hmm. "We see in a mirror dimly now. Yes, when perfection comes, we will see perfectly." Mm-hmm. Right? Well, mm-hmm. we do. We do have a bunch of other questions. And again, I love this because we can dialogue around God's word. So mm-hmm. uh, in Matthew 13, 30, the sinners are removed from the world before the righteous. But our church teaches that the righteous will be raptured first, which is correct. So historically, our denomination, the FCA, has had a premillennial view of the second coming. And that means that there will be a rapture of believers before um, before, before the, the, the end of the age. Okay, um, and the beginning of the new age, beginning of the new earth. Um, so the question here is asking. So in this parable, the weeds are are removed first, and then and then and then the uh, uh, then then let me just make sure I asked re- get the question right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The sinners are removed from the world before the righteous, but our church teaches that the righteous will be uh, raptured first. So which is correct. Um, so, I mean, Chris, you, you've written your position paper uh, for the for the denomination. Uh, so you're you're well versed in the mm. all the eschatological arguments, right? I'm well versed in knowing what my place is at the church <laughs> and who I should point to when the great deep questions. Here's what I do know: uh-huh. it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be right? glorious. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I think I think so. Within our our denomination, we've even recognized that there's there's a little bit of tension here. Mm-hmm. There's there's nobody truly knows the exact process of the second coming, uh, and how things are gonna are, are gonna fall in line. There's been great debate around it, and so we're not gonna we're not gonna try to uh, uncover all of those things here. Mm-hmm. But what we need to know about this parable is that Jesus is actually not commenting mm. on the on the 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 the, uh, the linear timeline mm-hmm. of the second coming. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He's not even commenting on the second coming necessarily. He's commenting that there is an age of accountability to come. So mm-hmm. it, it is 
eschatological in that way or mm-hmm. dealing with end times or dealing mm-hmm. with the last things. That's mm-hmm. what the eschatology literally means. It means last things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's eschatological in that nature that Jesus is reminding us there's an age to come. There's mm-hmm. an age of accountability. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as he's not giving us a linear timeline of how those mm-hmm. things will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even Jesus creates a parable here. If we want to talk about first century farming practices, mm. it's kind of shocking to his audience that the, um, that Jesus allowed in this parable, the farmer allowed the weeds to linger as long as they did. Wheat mm. and weeds are both taken out at the same time in the harvest, mm. in the parable, mm. and then they're separated. Yeah. Um, and so, mm-hmm. uh, so, so it, it's, it, there's, there's lots of layers here. What Jesus is trying to do, his main point is to point to the reality of eternity and the reality of the harvest, right? Mm-hmm. There is an age of accountability. We're mm-hmm. not just floating on a space rock and then the lights go out, right? Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, so this passage does not comment on the linear timeline of the second coming uh, and in the process of those things. So, and with all uh, apocryphal, literature and anything of, of that nature, right? Yeah. Look at, look at the whole scripture, go look at Daniel, go look at Thessalonians, yeah. go look at Revelation, yeah. use all of that, put it together, and then also just walk in the trust of, okay, I'm going to land at a place. Yeah. This is what our church generally preaches, but we major yeah. on majors. We, we can walk together yeah. on this. And in the end, what Jesus is saying is, this is going to happen. Yeah. And everybody's going to agree with it. Yeah. Like that's, that's the picture I get from revelation. Yep. There, there's language of first and second death and all this stuff. And especially the yeah. second one, everybody yep. good or bad. Yeah. Everybody seems to be in agreement with yeah. what the judgment is. And yeah. 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 So that's a, we can walk in unity there mm-hmm. and go, Hey, we don't have to understand those things or agree on those things. There are a lot of smarter people. I remember when I was at Trinity, one of my professors literally came in and he argued successively for each of the major eschatological mm-hmm. positions mm-hmm. and times views. And I went, Oh, I'm convinced of that one. Wow. Oh wait, now I'm convinced of that one. Wow. Oh wait. Okay. And then, so when he got done, I was like, Oh, I'm just thoroughly confused. <laughs> right. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of smart people yeah. over the centuries that have believed different things in this area, mm-hmm. but they've all been convinced. As you said, Chris, Jesus is coming back. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. God will hold us accountable. That's what scripture teaches to be absolutely clear. And I think I, just really quickly, I think yeah. that's the important part that our denomination and church really does teach is that his return will be bodily. Right? Yeah. That it, that it's a literal thing it's that a happens. Literal it's literal bodily not this return. It's not abstract or figured. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So we literally believe Jesus is coming back. Yep. Right? yep. So with that, and there's another question here that says, is eternal separation from God, eternal torture or annihilation? Mm. So just real quick, uh, our denomination, our statement of faith says that we believe in eternal conscious punishment. Um, right, the word punishment there can land uh, in different ways for different folks with, with our different cultural expectations. But we believe mm-hmm. that we are eternally created beings mm-hmm. and that we are created to, to live. Uh, we were created originally to delight with God eternally, mm-hmm. but in, in sin, in our rebellion, we fractured that. So we chose to be apart for life apart from God, right? And in that choice, in that fall, uh, it is only then the right natural response then for God to say, oh, I will let you, yeah. I'll let you have that. But oh, by the way, you are an eternal being. Mm-hmm. And that means you are eternally separated from me. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Jesus seems to think that there's an eternally conscious separation, right? There's another view out there that talks about annihilationism. And that has to go into Revelation. And there's some ambiguity passage there of the second death and the mm-hmm. lake of fire mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, but it, the annihilation in a nutshell believes that God 
after the second after the second coming when he's he when he's gathered everything up he simply annihilates all that were evil all that were wicked mm-hmm. all that were separated from him all who were lost right mm-hmm. and um, and so he does we don't have this perpetual eternal conscious state of suffering uh, or separation um, I've got friends on both sides of the argument sure I think Jesus seems to think of uh, Jesus seems to teach that there's an eternally conscious separation. And I'm going to lean into Jesus on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just got to, in my view, annihilationism requires some unique gymnastics with the text mm. to really solve some problems. But the heart of it is at the end of the day is like, if is, is, is God merciful or not? Mm. And he is. Mm-hmm. And in God's mercy, he actually doesn't force us to follow him. Mm-hmm. He gives us, he allows us to have the desires of our hearts, but we are eternal beings. So there are eternal consequences for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what uh, Christians, you think about this, any, anything there? I think, I think, uh, what you were just talking, you used the word choice so many times and what yeah. you were describing there. That's really key to this. When I, when we think about eternal conscious suffering yeah. and punishment, uh, to us that, that feels bad. And yeah. It should like, that's a terrible, terrible thing. Like God's causing this to me. Yeah. Like he, he's delighting in this yeah. or something. No, I think what we see throughout scripture and this is where we have, where where I have to land, even though it makes me uncomfortable, yeah. and and yeah. it should, yeah, like it really should. Um, Jesus, yeah, th- throughout, the, it's very clear that the Father is full of loving kindness, that yeah. He's long suffering, that He He is patient, yeah. and kind, and He has given us every opportunity, and we might not even consciously realize yeah. we're making that choice, and that's where sharing the gospel comes into play yeah like you yeah you yeah so that's that's where i would land on that though it's uncomfortable and and i appreciate that we're gonna just keep wrestling with it too and that's important because each next generation is going to come along yeah we need to have this conversation Yeah. yeah yeah and for me it's like if god chooses if if the way of god in the end is actually annihilationism i'm not going to be angry with that yeah (laughs) right because Mm -hmm. God, God is sovereign. God is, that's fine. If he's making that choice, he has loved me so much that he's made Jesus known to me Mm -hmm. and he's loved us so much that he's made Jesus known to us Mm -hmm. and us being the world, right? It's what Paul says in Romans. It's what John says in John, right? He, God's loved us so much that he's intervened on our behalf. However, that loving God wants, you know, uh, sees fit to, to act then, then I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. And if that means annihil in this, in this sense, if that means annihilationism, okay. I may not understand it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't called to understand it, yeah. you know? Um, but what Jesus seems to teach clearly is eternal conscious mm-hmm. separation because we've made an eternal choice in our rebellion, right? And, wh- and whatever, wherever he lands, yeah. his mercy is made more beautiful by the fact that he is also completely just. And yeah. that's, we see that in this, but then the fact that he would have grace in the midst of all that yeah. is, yeah, yeah, makes and, it so beautiful. And with that, we experience the lavishness and overflow of God's love. And so it mm-hmm. leads us to this next question. Mm-hmm. If we can't or shouldn't perform to achieve heaven, and we can't or shouldn't appease God to achieve heaven, what are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ways I've said it here is that obedience is God's love language. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's this idea that we obey God because we've experienced the lavish love of God. Mm-hmm. Right, and we've experienced that God's ways are better than our ways. You know, so 
Um, Chris, when you think about this idea of motivation out of love, mm-hmm. uh, how does that, you know, what do you think of, or how, how do you wrap your mind around that idea, right? I'm not earning favor. Mm-hmm. I'm not re- helping God to relent from crushing me, mm-hmm. but he loved me and I'm operating out of that love yeah. in obedience. Yeah. How do you wrap your mind around that? Uh, for me, it, it boils down to the question of what is the prize that I'm after? Is it to mm-hmm. get heaven and get all the sweet sweet gifts that come with that, or is it to get Jesus? And I'm not saying that those two things are divorced from each other, but for me, the answer to that question helps me understand why I would do good works or not. Because if I'm just in it for fire insurance, if I'm just in it to escape hell and and just live and, you know, just preserve myself forever, then check, got that. I I said the prayer and and I choose Jesus and I'm going to walk in that. But but if... If what I'm after is Jesus Christ and 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 God the Father as my loving Father and Jesus Christ as my brother and high priest, the yeah. one who loved me to the uttermost, uh, that if if He's what I'm after, yeah, then I want to live a life yeah. that 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 uh, embodies that that make that images Him, yeah. right? That casts that to other people. So yeah. for me, that's that's what it boils down to. Yeah, yeah. Right, and, and Jesus delighted in doing the will of his Father, mm. John four thirty four. It's literally he says it's the food, the food, mm. right? Why? Because he's delighting in the Father, oh, because yeah. he's one with him. So you, it's, just, it's literally mm. what you're saying, right? I'm mm. I'm desiring to increase in the image of Christ. Why? Because I've experienced that he, he's good, mm-hmm. and his way is good, mm-hmm. right? And every other religion, every other philosophical system out there says, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, make yourself better, mm. or do enough good to appease the eternally angry toddler, yeah. right? Yep. And, um, and so Christianity says the very opposite of it. And so then the motivation to obey is out of that sense of love, out of that sense of delight, yes. because we've experienced how mm-hmm. good God is, or to increase in the image, as you've said, Chris, right? Yeah. Increasing the image of Christ. So. Mm. Now, you know, as we do that, though, right, part of it is that we want to share the gospel and we want to share the good news of what makes us whole, what's, what's redeemed us and, and, and helped us. And so it is a really great question. Is it possible to share the gospel with everyone? I have a friend from Latin America that sees the Christian uh, Spanish conquerors, conquistadors, as ruining the culture that was there before they arrived. Uh, they see Christianity as evil. How would I open their heart? Is it even possible? Wow. Mm. Chris, what do you think? Is it even possible to open up somebody's heart like that? It's not possible for you. I, I think that's, that's, right. yeah. that's yeah. A, the, the comfort that I have mm-hmm. to have. Is mm-hmm. I have people, I know people yeah. that by my own efforts, there's no yeah. amount of mental gymnastics or, or, yeah. or clever persuasion I'm going to be able to offer that's going to convince you. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit yeah. softening the heart. And we yes. see that in Scripture time and time again. So um, it's not possible for you yeah. to soften someone's heart. But, man, if if the first hang-up is look at what this culture mm-hmm. did to this other culture, and yeah. they did it in the name of Christ. You yeah. talked about that. And that doesn't yeah. mean that all the conquistadors were of a bad... I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like yeah. We could go yeah. on about that for a long time. But, but okay, they've got this picture of what Christianity does. Let's get back to what in the world is Christianity. Yeah. Is it w- what the conquistadors were and what they were about? Yeah. Or, or do, do they have they ever met Jesus Christ? Yeah. Yeah. For me, 
that's that's often a huge hang-up. It's yeah. like, I've got this picture of what Christianity does, and it's an yeah. outlier, or it's something that happened back then, mm-hmm. and and it's preventing me from even getting to Jesus Christ. Yeah. So just talk about Jesus Christ and talk about the difference he's made in your life. Yeah. And maybe there's a start there. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And it's okay for us to acknowledge historical wrongs yes. and to say, that's not what God intended this yes. to be. Yeah. Right? Uh, on the flip side of it, yeah, there are these there are these grave historical injustices that have happened in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? We should never have to feel like we've got to defend those things. Yeah. And and so if you've got somebody that is going, yeah, but look what Christians did, it's okay to say, I know, I see that, and I'm sorry for that. Mm-hmm. That's not the Christianity of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Christianity of the Bible is the Christianity that led people during the plagues to care for one another, mm. right? To do the things that the rest of society wasn't willing to do in, in some of the most deadly plagues of, of the, you know, the last 2000 years, yeah. it, it led them to do that. Christianity is the reason we have child labor laws mm-hmm. in this country. Mm. All right. It was Christians that were advancing that um, Christianity. You know, you could, you can just go down the line here uh, throughout the centuries and go, Christianity, because of Christianity, uh, this good happened, right? And so that's that's not to say that we ignore the wrongs that happened, but I think it's okay. Say, hey, yeah, that wasn't right. That's not what God intended. Amen. That's not who Jesus is, and that's not how He desires us to live. Yep. Right. Um, yep. And so, so there's there's just bad things that happen when Christianity gets intermarried with political systems. Right? Because we are not to live, we're not people of this age. We are living for a kingdom to come. Mm-hmm. And yes, we want good governance. We want, we need to participate well in society. Mm-hmm. That's not a statement against those things. But we just got to be aware, right? Yeah. Man is broken. Bad things happen <laughs> with power, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and so um, that just, that happens, right? Yes. Um, so this isn't a political commentary on, on all those things. No. But we, we should be able to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And begin the conversation there. And so, but where you started this answer, Chris, I think is so right. It's, it, is, it is impossible for us to winsomely or effectively share the gospel on our own. Mm-hmm. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. So before we go into any gospel conversations with friends, uh, wherever they're starting from, with a challenging place or maybe a, 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 a friendly place towards Christianity, mm-hmm. we need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to do yes. a work in their life and in mm-hmm. their heart and for the Holy Spirit to work through us in that. Right. So yes, can we share the gospel with anyone? Yes, we can. Oh, sure. Yeah. Are there going to be ones that are harder to share with? Absolutely. I feel like Jesus taught some parables about that. I, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Right. I mean, even Jesus, John chapter four, he hangs out in Samaria. What does John tell us? Many believed. Mm. The very incarnate Son of God came, <laughs> hung out with them, healed a bunch of people, did all yeah. kinds of things, yeah. and many believed. Uh-huh. Not all. Yep. Many. Mm-hmm. So if people weren't convinced about Jesus by Jesus, yeah. I should I should temper my heart to say mm-hmm. there are going to be moments in people in my life that are just not going to be convinced of Jesus, mm. even when I share about Jesus. Yeah. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, right? And so we, we trust the Holy Spirit in that. I want to emphasize one thing you just said so well, and that, that was the emphasis of prayer. I was mm. just thinking to myself, you know what, if I'm walking into a difficult conversation or someone that I feel like I'm supposed to share the gospel with them and I just don't know how I'm going to do it, man, have I been praying for that person at all? Yeah. If I haven't been, 
that's probably a good test for me of, of how ready I am yeah. to share. Like that's the good prep work that I should be doing far before I'm thinking about how I'm going to convince someone Yeah, through yeah. clever persuasion yeah. and things like yeah. that. You know? yeah. 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 We want to think about how we would approach it, mm-hmm. but let, let us bathe in the gospel. Yeah. Let our hearts be prepared in that too, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 let us be self-examining in that. That's such a good word, Chris. Mm. That's such a good word. Mm. Well, our last question comes and is asking about the Greek word that was used for weeds in verse 28b and 29. And I'm going to just have to say, they ask, is this is it significant, the word choice uh, there in Greek for the word weeds there? And, mm. and if it is, what does it mean? And I'm just going to have to say, I don't know. Mm. I'm going to give you a big old I don't know. Uh, so uh, in my, in my prep work, are you this, allowed to do that? I, th- I hope so. Okay. Does that like, does that null and void? Uh, that- I'm afraid they're going <laughs> to delete this episode from, uh, from the playlist. Um, you know, honestly, I think as, as I tour apart the passage here and looked at it, it doesn't seem to have great significance of the word choice there. Um, I, I'll dig back into it. And if it does mm-hmm. on a future episode here, it'll be on the sermon. I'll let you, I'll give you an update, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know if Jesus was trying. What I do know in this passage uh, is that it is a risk that we can make much of things that Jesus wasn't trying to make much of. We can read into some of the images that Jesus was giving us, uh, and that because it's happened over the Christ- over the centuries within the church. Mm. But the thing that J- Jesus zeroes in here on is that we are eternal beings created by God, and that there is we live in an eternal age, and there is an age of accountability to come. Right, so so we do not want to miss the the gravity of eternity, mm. you know, and so that's what Jesus is zeroing in on in this in this parable. So, mm. well, guys, loved uh, just love the questions that everyone sent in here. Love that we get the dialogue around the scriptures. Chris, thanks so much for. Uh, joining me here today as we as we talked C.S. Lewis and we even had a uh, you know a rabbit trail around around heresy to begin the podcast off. St. So. Patrick C.S. Lewis, we <laughs> we've done it all, it's and we even snuck in poor Eusebius into this one. So, <clears throat> oh my! Well, Chris, again, thanks for joining here on the podcast. It was a delight to have you, and we will uh, we'll be back with uh, with the parables next Sunday.